You're listening to the O'Reilly Radar Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Webb. In this week's episode, O'Reilly's Mary Tressler chats with Suzanne Pelican, VP and Executive Creative Director at Intuit, about three core principles of design thinking and Intuit's journey to become a design-driven organization. Suzanne also will be speaking at our upcoming O'Reilly Design Conference about creating a culture based on design thinking, experimentation, and risk-taking. You can find out more at O'Reilly.com slash designcon. Now, here's Suzanne. Enjoy the show. So I'm here today with Suzanne Pelican, who is Chief Design Strategist at Intuit. Suzanne, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Mary. Great um, to be here. Well, I wanted to start off um, based on a previous conversation you and I have had about how you would, um, how you define design. Yeah, you know, I think that a lot of people have different um, definitions of design, but what design means to me is um, it's the act of problem solving, but from a very empathic and iterative place. Um, that you solve problems through the creation mm-hmm. of solutions um, versus just the ideation or thinking of the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do it from a very, yeah, empathic place. And I think that that's, that's what defines design to me. Cool. Great. Um, so one of your responsibilities at Intuit is to spread the adoption of um, what you refer to as the design for delight capability. Um, can you explain mm-hmm. what this means and why you think it's so vital to Intuit's or any company's success? Yeah. So design for delight at Intuit is our version of design thinking. And um, we sort of reduced it down to three core principles empathy, uh, rapid um, experiments with customers, and go broad to go narrow. And um, the reason why we did that, and we started the journey about eight years ago, was because we were not unleashing the creativity in our employees in a way that led to breakthrough innovation at the company. Mm -hmm. And we knew something had to change. And, And as we looked around and got inspiration from our our friends at Procter and Gamble, um, and we we learned about design thinking um, and how that that could really really transform the way people work and lead to greater innovation. And so um, that's what we've been doing for the last eight years: is bringing that into our culture and making it the responsibility of every employee that works here, whether you are a designer or an engineer, or if you're in finance or in HR, um, that if you use design thinking and you come from a really empathic place and you iterate your way to the best solution, that what you do will inevitably be much closer to delighting the customer than if you didn't. Hmm. So are you actually training like all employees? Is that part of... Um... Yes. Wow. Yeah. So what we did was first we trained the CEO and his staff and then they said, oh, this is incredible. It was complete transformational to them. So they said, well, can you train our staffs? And we said, yes. Mm-hmm. And then before you knew it, the, the very small group of us that started the entire design for Delay, um capability at Intuit, uh, all of a sudden we had more requests than there were those of us that could actually deliver on it. And so that led to the creation of the Innovation Catalyst Program. And that is a program where you take um, frontline employees Mm -hmm. and you ask them to spend 10% of their time out of their 100% of their time, not on top of it, but out of their 100% time as approved by their manager to actually change our culture by training people on how to do D4D, how to give them the opportunity to experience it and practice it every day. Um, And so we have about 200 um, innovation catalysts across the company in every 
relocation. Hmm. And their job is to create the time, the space, and to train employees on how to, how to use design thinking um, in their everyday work. Neat. Okay. So uh, let, me, let me back up for a little bit and let's talk a little bit about how you define um, design thinking and service design. Yeah. So design thinking to me is the practice of problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me that, you know, is based on those three core principles that I spoke about, about deep customer empathy and going broad to go narrow um, and rapidly experimenting with your customer. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the actual skill set and the tools and the mindset that you have. Service design is actually applying that then end-to-end as you're thinking about very specific experiences for our customers across many channels. Mm -hmm. So the way that we do service design at Intuit today, a lot of the effort is in, let's say, care. Um, So when you think about a care experience for a customer, um, you have to think about the many channels that they can access, including telesales and an agent. Um, in care uh, or the website or online articles and you're trying to think about um, their whole experience and you're also trying to think about infrastructurally how could you deliver a delightful experience mm-hmm. um, and so that is service design okay great and and you know when you talk about empathy and and service design is this something where and you, you're referring to user or customer are you also referring to employees as those same customers or is that absolutely something? so yeah absolutely so if you are let's say that you are in um, uh, HR and mm-hmm. this has happened quite a bit and you're in talent acquisition mm-hmm. right um, you've been taught d for d And the way that you apply design thinking is to redesign the experience for a candidate, you know, that might be coming in to interview for us. Mm -hmm. And the way that you used to do that in the past is that, you know, well, it's one person's job to source the candidate and it's another person's job to uh, write up their schedule and book the rooms that they're going to be in. And it's another person's job to call them and tell them. And it's another person's (laughs) job, you know, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you can imagine that the candidate experience is actually not very good (laughs) because it hasn't been designed end to end. And so now, um, I was just actually with the, with our head of talent acquisition yesterday and she's going through innovation catalyst training. And the first thing she's going to do is actually redesign the candidate experience end to end. Wow. Right. Everybody's a user, right? So everybody's a customer. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So, so, so you mentioned that, you know, HR, what are some of the challenges um, for making this kind of change across an organization? I mean, and two, it's a large company. Large companies tend to not change um, very quickly. Um, and I imagine the buy-in from the top is key to it. But what have been some of the, of the challenges you, as you've seen it? Yeah, there's always quite a there's there's always a couple that I, I tend to share with folks. Um, the the first is that you can't just talk about it; you have to experience it. Mm-hmm. So design thinking um, is is it's absolutely experiential. Okay. Um, and I think the first mistake that we made when we just started rolling this out eight years ago, because to your point, this is not fast. If you're going to change the way people work day to day, that's going to take a long time. You can't just ask people to do it and expect them to change. You have to give them ample opportunities to practice so that they can then understand it and make it their own. Mm -hmm. So 
when we started eight years ago, the first mistake that we made was telling people to please do this. And everyone nodded their head and said, <laughs> yep, we got it. And then went away. And then a year later, no one was doing it. <laughs> so oh, we tried again. And so the next, the second year, we said more forcefully, please do this um, from the CEO down. And no one did anything. Hmm. And we and we brought in really inspirational speakers and we um, had really convincing PowerPoint slides about why they needed to do it. And everyone nodded their head again and nothing happened for two years. Wow. And it wasn't until we had our first workshop that we said, here, do it and do it now that things really started to change and things started to click because it went from being in their heads to being in their hearts and in their fingertips. Right? right? Because they were starting to practice it themselves. And what we found in our culture is that it takes everyone about eight to 10 times of practicing it before it finally hmm. resonates with them, what it means to them and how to start doing it every day. And and do you feel as though they also need to see that it's, it's, um, it's benefits, you know, in terms of oh, not sure. just understanding it, but seeing sort of the motivation behind it? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's very critical. I mean, and so that sort of leads to a second hiccup that we had. Um, And I don't know if it was actually a hiccup, but it was a um, just sort of a reflection of of how long this stuff takes. Mm -hmm. Um, The first four years uh, that we were rolling this out, we had a bunch, you know, we had workshops, um, especially once we launched the Innovation Catalyst Program. And we had lots and lots of D4D sessions is what we called them. And everybody would come into the room and do D4D, and then they'd leave and go back to their desk and not do D4D. And so there was this perception that D4D was a special thing that you did. You you do your work, and then you go D4D, and then you come back and do your work. Um, when you say D4D, what are you referring to? Design for delight. Sorry. Okay. So yeah. In- no, I, I wanted to make sure that that's exactly what you were yeah. saying. Okay. Design for delight. Um, and so people started to think that this was a special event. And then what would happen was, you know, you'd have a four-hour session and people were saying, well, at the end of four hours, we don't have groundbreaking billion-dollar business <laughs> ideas. So I guess that, that was not a good use of time. Um, and so um, we quickly switched. No, well, not quickly. But after, after that started to happen, we switched to no more sessions. And now it was embedding innovation catalysts in working teams Mm -hmm. so that they could start using it every day on very high priority, you know, sort of initiatives. And that's when we started to see change happen. And people started to, you know, do their slap their forehead and say, Oh, you know, D4D is not this special thing. This is what we should be doing like right now, Mm -hmm. and then like tomorrow and then the day after. Um, So that, that was an, that was another, you know, incredible learning. Um, and then in the final learning that I like to share with folks about this, when you're trying to change an organization, and I think this is really important to designers specifically, mm-hmm. uh, when we first started um, the Innovation Catalyst community, uh, we invited, we stacked the deck, and we invited mostly designers to the, um, to the community, to the training. Hmm. And after the training, um, the people that were most active in providing experiences for others around the company were the non-designers. And the designers were basically doing nothing. <laughs> and so we were really perplexed. You know, how could this be happening and why is it happening? Mm-hmm. And we found out something really, really important, which is that um, to make this kind of change happen across the company, you have to be willing to give it away. Hmm. 
And at the time, designers were not seeing the difference between design thinking and design doing. And they had conflated the two. And because of that, they thought that they were getting marginalized as a function. Mm-hmm. And so they were not willing to give it away. Um, so it became a criteria for selection to be an innovation catalyst that you had the disposition of humility mm-hmm. and that you were willing to um, give up the spotlight for somebody else. And the, the, the criteria was stated as you're willing to be the roadie to the rock star. Hmm. And so for 90% of your day and your life at Intuit, you're the rock star because we hired you to be the rock star. But the 10% of your life as an innovation catalyst is for you to be the roadie. And that was pretty transformational for us. And over time, not it didn't take too long, designers got it. And they're some of our best innovation catalysts at the company. That's amazing. I mean, that's, yeah, it's about dropping, you know, your ego, to some mm-hmm. degree and saying, okay, I'm here, you know, you're, you're trying to help others for the, the larger goal. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. But that requires a lot of trust in everything else, which that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. Yeah. It's right. Really hard. You're dealing with human beings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, people really, really enjoy having ownership and pride in their craft mm-hmm. and giving away your crafts starts to make you feel like then I don't have a craft right. that's ownable and I'm not differentiable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. Right, right. No, it makes perfect sense as you describe it, but it's such a hard thing to yeah. wrap your brain around and, and, and trust in, I would imagine. Yes. I mean, yes. it's also, you know, it's you're deputizing other people with this idea of design mm-hmm. and, and what it means and what it can do. And to me, that just, that kind of buy-in and, and uh, openness, I would imagine, you know, only um, encourages people to value design. Yes, right? that's right. That's right. It, it has led to, you know, we, we were about six years into the journey. You know, mm-hmm. at, at this point, I will say that when we started out, we said that um, our end goal was to have Design for Delight be in the DNA of the company. Mm-hmm. And that was seven and a half, eight years ago. And uh, we thought it would take about seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we said the ultimate sign of success would be putting ourselves out of a job. And so <laughs> a year and a half ago, um, you know, it was pretty obvious that we had sort of a, we had sort of reached that. And so I moved out of that role to, you know, from enabling this from ha- uh, to happen across the organization as my full-time job mm-hmm. to becoming um, an innovation catalyst, you know, in my day-to-day work, um, but instead to be focused on a business. And I think that um, it's really, it really was a testament to how far we had come. And then what also came out of it was um, a realization of the craft of design itself, not just about design thinking that's for everyone, but the craft of design doing, which is for a select few mm-hmm. called designers. Mm-hmm. And designers, um, all of a sudden, the the understanding of that skill set and how necessary that was going to be for the success of our company um, was realized. It mm. took a long time for design thinking to get in our DNA, but it laid an incredible foundation for us becoming a design-driven company. And when we're a, as a design-driven company, it means that design of the customer experience is the ultimate responsibility of everybody. Mm-hmm. And then that comes first. And that you're not trying to make old techno- technology look great, 
but you're trying to design the best, most delightful experience for our customers, and then you figure out how to go build it. And this couldn't have happened when it happens if we didn't have design thinking in the DNA of 8,000 employees. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. So it's been quite a transformation, yeah. And then organizationally, uh, that meant that design was up-leveled at least two levels in the organization um, to the point where now we have multiple VPs of design, um, you know, 6x the amount of directors that we had back then, and that um, the VPs sit at the GM table. Hmm. And design, as recently as two and a half years ago, did not sit at the GM table. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, close. it we seems were like two levels below. Yeah. Well, in, it seems there are other companies that are trying to do just what you've already done. Um, mm-hmm. And and to that question, you know, how do you see? I mean, obviously, you've changed the role of designers within Intuit. Um, how you know on a on a wider scale? How do you see the the role changing? Um. Well, I don't know if it's actually changing as much as it's finally being recognized. And I think that this mm. is kind of what the, the that most of us who are have been designers for a, quite a while feel, like industry-wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel like designers are doing anything differently than what they've been doing. It's just that, you know, from a craft perspective, it's just that it's finally being recognized as an incredibly important part of building a business, a very successful business, Mm -hmm. because it's through customer um, satisfaction that you actually grow your business. And Mm -hmm. design is a huge lever to pull there. Um, And so I I feel like it's just, yeah, I think that it's it's finally understood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been our responsibility to make that understanding clear, and it just took us as a as a as an industry. It took us a long time to finally break through and have people understand. Mm-hmm. It is. It's kind of a funny thing when you think about it because it just it seems to have clicked. But mm-hmm. it's such a um, it seems like such a common sense bit when you think about if you you know treat your customers well, everything falls into place, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, if you offer them the things that they need and they want and that improve their lives. Um, well, it might kind of go to your first question about what what is design. And I think that the definition of design for, for too long was that design was the visualization mm-hmm. of technology. Mm-hmm. And it was the skin on top of something that was much more important. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what design is. Mm-hmm. Design yep. is about the creation of the experience. Right. Uh, and uh, sometimes it has no skin. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Um, right. And so I think, that that's, I think that that's sort of the change that's happening in the, in the understanding of, of, our, of our skill set. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that phrase. It's not just the visualization of technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what advice can you offer designers um, out there that are listening to this or reading this and are trying to figure out how they can make an impact on um, on the business, whether they're in a, a small company or a large company? What should they be thinking about? What should they be doing? Yeah. So I would say um, continue doing killer design for Mm -hmm. sure. That's sort of basic. But I think that the shift that happened at Intuit that I that I always give as a as a piece of advice for any designer is that 
you know, designers inherently are very empathic people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tend to point that empathy very much to who they're solving for, which tends to be a customer. Um, so they will go on and on and on about like why a design has to be a certain way for a customer. Um, and that's what makes them very successful. And my advice is take that same skill set and that same um, that same uh, disposition mm-hmm. and apply it, apply it internally to your leadership, to your teams, to your engineers, and have empathy for them. And knowing that they're all trying to do the right thing, like how could you get closer to understanding what they're trying to achieve and then how can you help them design their way there? Hmm. And sometimes you apply design to organizational structure or sometimes you apply design to process or sometimes you apply design to, you know, recruiting endeavors, you know, whatever it is. But how can you apply design to all the things that will make your company successful? And so instead of complaining about your environment, design it. You're a designer. That's great. That's great advice. Well, thank you very much, Suzanne. I appreciate you making time. You're welcome, Mary. You can reach Suzanne through her Twitter handle, at Pelican. Thank you for joining us. If you like the show, you can subscribe through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. (laughs) 